Nehemiah chapter 5. That's where we are today. And I'm going to teach, um, I feel like, from that chapter today. Funny story, though. I thought I was doing chapter 6. So when I began preparing this message um, a while ago, um, I began chapter 6. And then when I went back to it, to thinking I had quite a bit of it completed, no, hadn't started because I picked the wrong chapter. So uh, that was a great thing to find out when you're already feeling a little behind. So, but that's okay because um, there's grace. <laughs> Amen to that. Nehemiah chapter fives with with any with any project with any event or vacation in our lives, it is imperative to make clear what is of priority. Am I right? Like when, when we go away as a family, one of the things that's priority is the food that we're going to eat while we're away. So we make plans to ensure the best possible outcome for our food situation. Because I don't want to go to a place that's known for something specific and then not get that when I'm there right? Because then there's like a whole lot of regret that comes with that later. Um, when you know what is most important and then what is least important, you are more efficient and you are more effective with what you do. Also, it takes the pressure off of missing out on something, as I mentioned. One of our priorities, uh, Craig and mine, is family. Family is huge to us, and family time. And we have intentionally put this at the front of our lives from the very beginning. We um, make simple days special. We capitalize on natural celebrations. Uh, we vacation every year without fail, regardless of finances. Um, there's a lot you can do for free, you know, especially here. <laughs> We're so blessed. Sorry, people who are watching online that aren't from here. And then we have weekly and annual traditions that we, it's sort of do or die for us. Uh, one of our things is Saturday morning breakfast as a family since, well, geez, years and years and years we've been doing this. Every Saturday morning we make breakfast and we sit as a family and we have that breakfast together and then we, we pray together um, sometimes for specific things. I mean, sometimes in the moment, sometimes we prophesy uh, and it's just been really, really cool all these years. Every year uh, while living in San Diego, we do an August staycation. We might do another vacation somewhere else, in the, you know, at the early in the summer, but every year in August, we do a staycation. And there's certain things we do on that staycation every year, like paddle boarding happens every year, like hodads happens every year. Uh, if you don't know hodads, just Google it after. It is, I mean, it's a once a year thing because like it's not the best food for you, <laughs> but uh, once a year, you can handle that. Um, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, since Josiah was two, we watched the Polar Express every Christmas Eve. Um, Friday nights, we eat a lot of snacks and uh, watch movies. Uh, we have ice cream Tuesday. Um, you guys got to get in on that. 
if you don't do ice cream Tuesday. I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, popcorn Saturdays. I could go on and on. <laughs> there's a lot of things. I'm just going to stop there. But anyway, there's those things that are priority. And of course, the church and the family and camps and conferences over all the years. And, and all that has been such a priority within our family time. Now, in order to know what's a priority in your life, it's helpful to know what you like and what you prefer. And what better way to remind ourselves of what we like and what we don't like or prefer about it is to play a game. So we're going to play a game. I feel like you guys didn't see that coming. Have you ever played this or that? Okay, so this is a game that for those of you who don't like to play games, you don't have to feel nervous right now because we're all going to do it together so no one's going to be singled out because I know there's always people in the room that are like, oh, no, I don't want to play a game right now. Am I going to be called out? So we're going to play a game, and they're going to come up on the slides, and it's this or that. So basically, I'm going to name two things, and you're going to call out the one that you like the most. Are we ready? I'm just talking to the person in the sound booth. All right. Okay. Dog or cat? Oh, me too. Netflix or Hulu? Call or text? <laughs> Real, call. If someone calls me, I'm like, uh, like I text. Like why did like I, you know I can text, right? Calls stress me out, but I'm doing better and I'm answering the phone more. Okay, peanut butter or Nutella? Why do we have to choose? Okay, cardio or weights? Gosh, the less I have the move, the better. So waits for me. TikTok or Instagram? <laughs> Cookies or brownies? Ooh, tough one. Okay, how about this one? Mobile games or console games for anyone? Chips or popcorn? I love popcorn. Both. Okay, new clothes or new phone? Oh, me too. Winter or summer? <laughs> nice car or nice home? <laughs> You're like declaring that. <laughs> Laundry or dishes? <laughs> Driving or flying? <laughs> Fact. Bath or shower? <laughs> People have strong feelings about that one. I've had conversations. And this one, last but not least, pancakes or waffles. And we're like, we're kind of like, please say waffles, please say waffles, because there's a waffle fundraiser in the in the lobby, but uh, it's, it's okay if you like pancakes. <laughs> Next time we'll do pancakes for all you pancake lovers. All right, so now that we got that out of the way and that was fun, um, let's dive into Nehemiah. This setting, the setting is the Israelites, God's chosen people, are building the city walls of Jerusalem, and everyone is building their section like we learned last week. There is, however, great opposition, and the surrounding nations are furious. They're causing problems. They're putting all their, their energy into attempting to stop the work. 
The Israelites have been in constant danger, yet they continue to build even though there's a threat and even though they're exhausted. Then we come to chapter 5. It said, now there arose a great cry of the poor people and of their wives against their Jewish brethren. For some said, we are sons and daughters are many. Therefore, allow us to take grain that we may eat and live. If we are not given grain, let us take it. It is, it is a rough time for them right now. And some said, we are mortgaging our lands, our vineyards, our houses to buy grain because of the scarcity. Others said, we have borrowed money on the fields and vineyards in order to pay the king's tax. Although our flesh is the same of that of our brethren and our children is theirs, yet we are forced to sell our children as slaves. Some of our daughters have already been sold, and we are powerless to redeem them. For others have our lands and our vineyards. I, speaking Nehemiah here, was very angry when I heard their cry and their words. This was a righteous indignation for the injustice because there was discrimination. They were saying that we are the same as everyone else, yet we are being treated different. This is an outrage. And Nehemiah is in shock of actually what's happened. He's here building a wall. He's doing the work of the ministry that God's called him to do. And then over here, there's all this drama and there's all this injustice and ridiculousness happening. So he hears about this, and then it says that he pauses. And in his pause, he, re he reveals the first of three priorities that we're going to uh, teach about today. Um, three priorities of the heart of God through Nehemiah. Verse 7. Let's keep going here. He said, I thought it over. He paused. And then I rebuked the nobles and officials, and I told them, you are exacting interest from your own kinsmen. And I held a great assembly against them. This sounds like a protest to me. And I said to them, we, according to our ability, have brought back our Jewish brethren who were sold, but now will you even sell your own? They were silent when they, because they found not a word to say. He's like, we just fixed this, and now we're back to doing it again. We're back to the same cycles that we just stopped. See, God prioritizes, and he has choice, and he chooses according to what his priorities are. And in chapter 5, we're going to see a few of what he views as important. It's kind of like his this or that. The first one, God chooses people over plans. There is a widespread outcry. The outcry is not against the attack, actually. It's not against the hard work that they've been subjected to. The cry of the people is against their own brother and their own Jewish countrymen because of the injustice happening. Nehemiah already, he's traveled miles. He's encountered danger. He's, he's had far from perfect scenarios just to get to the place where he is today. In order to rebuild this wall, he has had attack. He has a big job in front of him. The situation was already very painful and very difficult. And then this, the people are crying. They're crying about their pain. They're poor. They're hungry. Their children are being sold into slavery. And in the middle of their poverty and contributing to the cause of it 
is the rich part of the family who are exploiting them. Yet, over here, the wall's not even done yet. This makes Nehemiah angry. But he's not angry to the delay in the task. It doesn't appear like that's the issue. Nehemiah isn't angry because of the complaints that he's hearing. It's like, oh my gosh, here they go again. It doesn't seem like that. He's not angry because there's a disruption in the work in order to, oh, I got to listen to these people again. He's angry that the people are going without food, that they're hungry. He's furious that they have no power to help themselves. They have no money and they have no land because there is famine. There's scarcity in the land. And he's frustrated that they've had to sell their children into slavery in order to get food from their own brethren. See, the building of the wall was everything to Nehemiah. He left the castle to come to do the wall building, but yet it takes second place to this because it's people over plants. Nehemiah hears the cry, and then he turns his attention to that cry, away from the wall, away from the very thing he came to do, his project, in order to love people, to correct the injustice, because people matter more. See, when we take our eyes off people, away from loving people and helping them, and become all about the project, the task, the checklist, we miss it because the wall will always be there. The people, the, the, the plans, the project will always be there, but the people may not. It's people over plans. The plans are important. The wall needs to be built. We have to do our part. But people over plans. The next priority of the heart of God that we're going to see in Nehemiah is provision over paralysis, provision over paralysis. We cannot bypass the fact here that this was difficult. People are being mistreated, exploited, they're hungry. It was a social injustice of this kind in, the, in this time. And Nehemiah, like I said, once cupbearer, now wall builder, has to figure this out and he has to handle this. But it wasn't what he came to do. He didn't know he was going to have to handle these type of problems. He thought he was going to rebuild the wall. And he could have froze into just, I don't know what to do here because I just came from the castle where I was a cupbearer. Now I've like relearned all these things and now I'm building a wall and I've, I've been doing a pretty good job at that. But now I have this pulling me in. He could have just froze. But, verse 9, he said, also I said, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of God to prevent the taunts and reproach of the nations? He's like, people are going to look at us and think we're crazy here for what we're allowing to happen. I, my brethren, and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us stop this forbidden interest. This reminds me of, um, you know, back last year with the COVID, you know, when it just started on the scene and, and there was like no toilet paper, you know, and, and people were on offer up exploiting that. 
and Amazon, like selling toilet paper for just ridiculous amounts of money. We're already in a bad situation. We're, things are already tough. People are losing their jobs. And now this. And this is kind of what they were experiencing um, on, a, on a great level here. He said, verse 11, return this very day to them, their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses, and also a hundredth, all of it, of the money, grain, new wine, and oil that you have exacted from them. Make it right. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and took an oath of the lenders that they would do according to this promise. He's like, I'm not taking any chances. I'm locking them in on this. And he said, I shook out my lap and said, so may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep his promise. And all the assembly said, amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did according to the promise. See, with, without godly uh, and good leadership, people do crazy things. But with godly and good leadership, people come into alignment with the good and the God things. See, he could have froze, but no. Because God has a plan of provision for his people. See, Nehemiah didn't just blow in and blow up here. He didn't charge into this scene all upset and angry, throwing his title, throwing his leadership weight around. He didn't even let his righteous anger explode into unrighteous aggression. He didn't even allow that. See, we can we cannot be okay with something and feel anger associated with it. But the moment we allow that justified anger to morph into criticism, into ranting and raving, into mocking or even sulking about it, we have gone too far. Nehemiah didn't function like this. He took time to think about it. He took that pause. Okay, let me think about this. What's happening? He took time to center himself. What is my role here? To look into it further and to remain calm. Remain calm. Have you ever said to someone who's um, not calm, calm down? (laughs) It's not a good idea. It's the last thing someone who is not calm needs to hear when they're not calm. Calm down. It doesn't work. It just makes them more angry. Anyway, um, that's just a side note. If you're wondering about, like, any marriage advice or anything like that, just throw it. Just don't do that. So we should desire to be a church and a family that considers our context, that takes a moment to to consider the context of, of here, of our city, of our surroundings, of what's happening, and then be moved to action. To freeze is not an option. We need to be asking questions like, what does my city need? What are its injustices? We don't have a time to be a church that is paralyzed by indecision, by never moving on to acting. We have to take the provision that God has given to our city, to our families, to people in need. There is provision for the plan. There is provision in the poverty. To freeze into inactivity because of fear 
Because of uncertainty is a distrust that God has the means to fix our every problem. And we believe it, right? We be, I mean, we either believe it or we don't. We either believe all of it or we might as well believe none of it. And if we believe it, then we act on it. See, it wasn't right that the nobles and the officials were charging these people interest. It was actually unthinkable that they would be doing this. It, even in, in the Old Testament, the Jewish book of law, the Torah, God had institutes many laws against um, these type of things to help protect the poor and the vulnerable. The officials had taken away the, the, the land. The nobles had taken away the land from the people as a pledge for their debts. And the problem was that when they took away their land, it prevented them to have the ability to make income, to bring in income in order to get food, in order to provide for their families. So it was just like this crazy cycle. Nehemiah understood God's law his heart for the broken, his heart for the vulnerable. And when he approached these people, the officials, he used the wisdom of God in order to help them understand the heart of God and the view of God. And then they got it because there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. Sometimes the end result is not favorable merely because of how we approach the situation. And the same idea that you can approach with someone, but the wrong way, might never go right. But if you can take that pause and then be moved to action with the heart of God and the demonstration of how the Father would release that, it's amazing what can be accomplished. Conflict handled correctly, always breeds intimacy and brings alignment. Taking a moment to calibrate, to think, to pray, and then act does wonders for favorable outcomes. You guys know this in your family. When there's disagreements in the home or even, even with children or, or things like that, when there's, when there's things that you're not seeing eye to eye, it's, it's never a good idea just to blow in with your agenda. Just take a moment. You think about it. You think about their side. You think about how they're seeing it in friendships, in work situations. Okay, let me just think about this. There's a great book, if you're interested, and it's called How to Win, Win Friends and Influence People. It's been around forever, and it's a good book on leadership and interactions with people. And I'm telling you what, when I read that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, it changed my life and how I deal with people and how I work with people. Because you just need to, it just teaches you to take a moment, to think about them, to think about how you're saying it, and deliver it differently. You should read that book. We, the church, have a righteous responsibility to lead well, to love well, and to serve well. The church itself should exist as outposts of God's grace. The church is God's plan of provision. It is how God provides and it, it, for his people and through his people. 
We see this modeled in the early church in the book of Acts. You know, there's a lot of people that we need to return to the book of Acts. We need to be an Acts, you know, church. And that's true. But honestly, we never should have left it. (laughs) Because that is the way. The church in Acts had everything in common. They gathered in community. They met the needs of people. They were all... um, under the same roof, so to speak, under the same unity, and then they grew radically. It wasn't like a a small little thing that stayed small, but it said that God multiplied daily to them. We exist today, the global church, because of the Book of Acts church. They are our grassroots. Our lack is no excuse for inactivity. God has everything. And we, ne- we don't care for needs based on uh, what we currently have when we look around, based on our current level of income or resources, because it's not us who does it, it's God. He is our resource and he is our provider. He is the one who takes care of us and we are just a conduit. We were never the electricity. We were just always the electrical wire. So the challenge is, do you give God an opportunity to prove his faithfulness or do you limit his work to what you know you can do? What are the risks that you've taken? What are the risks that I've taken? And then watch God step in and do the rest. What are the impact that that has on my friends and family? Um, A year ago, uh, Joel and Kaylee um, and their family, who were just up here a little bit ago, dedicating Kenna um, to the Lord, they cross the border from Canada into America to come here to serve here, Cross Point. Um, and they, um, I don't know if you know this, but they, uh, they just do this. They felt God called them to do this, and they just do it on faith. So they just believe every month that God's going to provide for them all their needs, and so far, so good. <laughs> So it's, I mean, it's radical. It's radical that they did this. Well, anyway, they were planning on moving and getting their visa to come, and then COVID hit, and so they weren't allowed to cross the border. And so there's some problems. They they were like, well, we're going to go anyway, and they went one time, and they got it. Oh, just it was just a bad scenario. If you ever want the story, you might want to take them up the cop for coffee to get the story because it's a nice long one, but it's good, and. Uh, Anyway, short of that, the first time they got turned away and they got told, like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, it was not a good situation. Well, then they tried again. They went back again and um, they got turned away again. And the border patrol people were not very nice. In fact, it was so serious when they got turned away that they were told if they were to attempt again and get turned away, they could be banned from America for a very long time. Um, Now, this is difficult because they felt called here to come. And so how many know that when you feel something, you feel God telling you to do something, there's a call, but yet in the natural, it's going the other way. It's really hard to know what to do. Like, is it now? Is it later? What do we do? Do we step out again now? Well, we were just told, we were told, do not cross the border again. Do not attempt. No one's allowed to cross the border. It, the, you know, don't even know there's a pandemic happening right now. You know, they were just like berated. There was a, like a lot of not nice things happening. 
they had moved out of their apartment. They had all their things in a U-Haul. Their babies were in the car. They're, they're, it was a bad scenario. It was a bad situation. They go back. They meet up with the apartment manager, explain the story. I mean, they're devastated. They're devastated. Um, we're in deep prayer and intercession because we know that God's hand is on this, but we just don't know what's happening. Um, the manager gives them their place back, uh, and then they're there. And uh, we start having some conversations with, with them. What are you guys going to do? What's your plan? And, you know, it, it took some time and some prayer, but through it, we kind of all felt like they were really just supposed to try again. <laughs> now, they were told, do not try again. You will get banned from the country. You are not allowed. There, there was all these things, and we're just like, we really feel like they're supposed to try again. They were like, yeah, we kind of feel this after prayer and fasting, like all those things, you know, doing all the things. But they're supposed to try a different border. Now, they're told, hey, you go to one border, then you go to other. We all know that you did that because we talked. The border patroller told them that. Do not play one border against another border. That is like, that is like an offense. Like you can't even, so, I mean, there's a lot happening here. A lot in the decision. But we really feel this one border. They were feeling it. We felt confirmed on it. They took some time. Um, they went to see family and the plan was to cross. At about this time churches were not allowed to be open um it was around that time 